Hi guys, welcome back to My Opinion and welcome to Women for Women Wednesday. Today I have an amazing leadership guest on because of course this is the leadership podcast for women. I have Dr. Katrina Ruiz on. Dr. Katrina, thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted, Maya, to be on your podcast. Thank you. Oh my God. I am so delighted to have you on. So, so excited to have this conversation with you and how I like to kick everything off is tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are. And by the way, I'm so excited that we're both Swiss. We'll get into that, but (laughs) yeah, incredible. Um, Yeah. Tell us a little bit about who you are though, and what you do. So what I do is that I help transform brilliant jerks into inspiring leaders. So I have a process to do that. And the other uh, expertise that I have is fast tracking managers, leaders into the C-suite and beyond. So it's really accelerating their careers in a corporation. So that's my two expertise. And I I have, uh, let's say, expertise and a process for both of them. Now, I grew up, I'm an American, but my parents, when I was very young, went to Europe, and they remarried uh, foreigners, you know, they divorced, of course. And uh, my, you know, my parents chased each other around Europe, but then they did divorce and remarry Europeans. So for example, my father remarried an Austrian that lived most of her life in Italy. And my mother uh, married, remarried a Dutchman that lived most of his life in Paris. So I grew up in this multicultural environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what got me interested in helping leaders go and integrate faster and more productively into a new corporate environment, and even cross-culturally, because that was sort of like my upbringing. And why am I interested in brilliant jerks? Well, I think I had a stepfather that was a brilliant jerk, you know, he he was very bright, cultured, entertained anybody at a dinner party because he had, he was witty, smart. But when he tried to tell me what to do, he said in such a difficult way that all I remember is how he said it rather than what he said. And it was crushing for me. It's only took me many years later to realize that he wanted my best intention. But unfortunately, he was very destructive in the way he said things. Mm. So that led me to want to uh, help other leaders develop their emotional intelligence so that they can communicate and even say things that are difficult or, you know, can be uh, demanding, but in a way that is constructive, that helps develop the relationship and helps them as leaders. So that's a little bit my uh, interest in the coaching field. I love that. You know, what's so interesting, Katrina, is every woman I have on Women for Women Wednesday, you know, whatever they're doing, they have a correlation back to, you know, their their younger self and their younger life. And so I really appreciate you sharing that about your stepfather. And, and I think, you know, the way that we deliver a message is so important. And so I find that so fascinating that that is what has inspired you 
on your journey because you know maybe he did have something valid or important to communicate to you but it was really lost in in the messaging and i think that is a really important thing that we we learn in life but especially as a leader like what an important lesson to learn and it seems like that may have been the inspiration behind your book and and obviously your courses too but managing brilliant jerks like I just had to interview when I saw that that was your <laughs> yeah right well you know because they they cause because of their leadership position they cause a lot of turnover mm-hmm. health issues uh, even legal lawsuits and pain and demotivation so uh, by helping the leader transform and enlighten their way of doing things, their behavior, you really help a lot of other people. You know, there's a statistics, uh, Maya, that says that 74% of successful leaders have had at least one intolerable boss. That makes, ladies and gentlemen, three out of four of us in our career will have some form of leader that is abrasive. I mean, I started in the banking field and Uh, you know, for having had better results than men in my, in the bank, uh, they got promoted first before I did, Mm -hmm. despite the results, or when I was promoted very rapidly, because I was a hypo, high potential, uh, they, of course, gave excuses that maybe I was sleeping with the HR person, I mean, completely off the wall. Mm -hmm. But you know, they, they don't like to give it in, in my banking experience, they didn't like to give credit to women that evolved very quickly. I'm generalizing horrible. Some people did, but unfortunately, I really did have to fight that kind of uh, uh, gossip and rumors, and I was very hurt by it. But then, you know, that's part of the process. I mean, if you succeed and uh, you do well in a, in a field, it's, uh, you create envy. So you have to deal with that. And I had to harden a little bit. I agree. I went through, you know, my listeners know this. So I appreciate you sharing your perspective on this because I went through a similar thing. I was quite young when I went to uh, corporate America. I come from, you come from banking. I come from uh, the corporate retail space. And I was working for, um, again, my listeners know this. I was working for Joseph Bank, which is completely male dominated, even though it's retail, it's male retail, right? And, you know, a lot of people, you know, I was questioned about those things too. And it breaks your heart, especially as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old stepping into this role. And, you know, the accusations and things that happened that were just absolutely not true. um, It it really toughens you up as to your point. Um, And, you know, it's really a lot of the inspiration as to why I I started this podcast and you're just the perfect guest to be on here to talk about that. And and you were in a completely different field and experience that. And and it does happen. And I think it's, it still happens. And it's so important for us to share our message so that we're just aware of it and we can be strong through it and try to change it. Yes, it's uh, being strong through it as a way of changing it, because uh, you hold your own and keep your confidence, even though it can be hurtful. And you, you know, do good work. That's the the thing is, um, if you do and produce, uh, that's the biggest 
how yes. would you say confidence building? Absolutely. At least that was in my case because they could say what they want, but I produced. And, Absolutely. Uh, you make an incredible point. Absolutely. You produced, you got the results and you knew your truth too, because the results, I always say the numbers don't lie, Katrina, the numbers yes. don't lie. Right. 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 <laughs> So tell me, I really want to get into managing brilliant jerks. Like this is so, you know, a lot of people will tell me they love my podcast name. I'm like, that's great. Like I'm obsessed with the name of your book and like your programs and what you do. So it sounds like the original inspiration was, I mean, the beginning was your, the delivery from your stepdad, but it's evolved and working with some jerks. So tell us a little bit about all of this. I want to hear about it. Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, yeah, first define them, maybe it's, um, please. Yeah. And then compare them. So, so the brilliant jerk is brilliant and motivated about outstanding results, but is interpersonally blind. Now we can all be a little bit curt when we're stressed or under pressure, but it's the repetition of that behavior uh, that is very abrasive. Okay, so uh, it's continual, they can be charming when they want something, and then turn around and be very uh, demeaning. And they cause distress and hardship in the workplace. Like, for example, I had a client that called me now he was part of the executive committee of a big multinational. So it wasn't a new manager. And he called me and said, Look, I don't know what's happening to me. Uh, I used to be the orator of the company at the end of the year because I speak really well. Well, now I am stuttering. I can't keep my thoughts. I have, you know, a reaction on my legs on the skin of my legs. And I don't know what's happening to me. And I don't like to ask for help. But this is affecting my work and everything. So here is an executive of a top notch company, uh, being so losing all their confidence mm -hmm. uh, by a brilliant jerk, that uh, he couldn't even do what he was excelling at. And so after our work together, he realized that his brilliance was in a different area than his boss. And the boss was diminishing his intelligence because his brilliance was elsewhere. I don't know how much he was intentional, but the effect on, on my client was uh, detrimental. Mm -hmm. Then, and of course, and of course, as I mentioned, this uh, client of mine that I'll call Paul, uh, his effectiveness was reduced. Uh, and this will can be caused at the individual level, in Paul's case, but at the team level as if as you have an abrasive boss in a team, and he's criticizing uh, all the thoughts of the others or, or, or um, attacking one person of the team, then you have the team members that don't dare speak up or give good ideas. And the other thing is that you know, when a, a brilliant juror comes in the office and he's very, he can be very toxic. So people will only give him information or her information when that person's in a good mood. If they see them in a bad mood, then that what they will do is say, okay, we won't tell him now, or we won't tell her now mm -hmm. because she's in a bad mood. So 
the the brilliant jerk doesn't get the information in a timely fashion so that they can resolve the issue. So that's the kind of repercussion in an organization. Then one more definition is how do you differentiate a, a, a brilliant jerk from a demanding leader, but is inspiring. So for one, the brilliant jerk, they when they see a problem, they interpret it as a threat to their status and their self-esteem, and they're triggered. It's impulsive. They, they can't dominate their feelings. And what they do is attack. You know, there's the fight, flight, or freeze. Well, their preference is to fight the person that they feel threatened by. So that's the brilliant jerk. Now, the demanding leader that is inspiring, what he has is more self-control uh, more self-awareness. And he, when he sees a problem that someone failed, he analyzes uh, what is the issue at hand? Is the employee unable or unwilling? Or is the leadership demotivated? And then we'll strategize accordingly. Well, if he's unable, or because then he'll put the job or help him get more training or help him get a mentor. If he's unwilling, he'll change his leadership approach and say, okay, this is a motivational issue. I'll have a heart to heart conversation. So given that, that's uh, uh, just that definition and the difference. So you can now identify if someone makes you feel terrible after a conversation and doesn't give you any indication of how to improve mm -hmm. and make it better, then that's abrasive behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, usually the demanding leader that is inspiring wants you to succeed and will adapt the project to help you succeed. And they're, they're demanding a lot of you because they see a lot in you too. That's been my experience versus this other. I mean, that was incredible, by the way, how you explain that. And I'm sure, you know, my listeners are listening to this thinking, oh, yeah, I've worked for someone like that before. I mean, it's sad, but probably true, right? Because you just listed the stats prior to this. I'm sitting here going, yep, I know who that was. And I remember working for that person, <laughs> right? So that was a very clear definition. And I think sometimes, you know, we think, oh, you know, that boss was very demanding, especially when we're younger, right, Katrina, we think, oh, that boss is very demanding, they yeah. require a lot from us. But when we're when we mature in our career, especially when we step into leadership, if that's, you know, our goal, or where we're going in our career, we start to reflect on those leaders. And we look and we go, oh, they demanded a lot of me because they believed in me and they gave me the tools to succeed and they they pushed me forward because they believed in me. And that's quite different than what you're describing in, again, I love this, the brilliant jerk, because they are not open to feedback. They are not open to criticism. They are, you've got to tiptoe around them. I mean, I'm literally thinking of this person that's been in my life. There's unfortunately been more than one. So your stats, I, I'm not surprised by that, but um, I, I think we all are envisioning that brilliant jerk that's been in our life listening to Yes. This. And since we're both Swiss uh, or binational and American, yes. well, yes. I'll just say that you have to adapt this uh, process or this interpretation that I just, or definition that I just gave 
culturally. The Russians are more face-to-face, if I can generalize horribly. The Swiss are more consensus spaces compared to the French, for example. Mm -hmm. So you adapt a little bit uh, the type of communication according to the culture. But it's confusing because there can be one brilliant jerk that is absolutely charming with their clients, right? And mm-hmm. terrible with their employees. And then uh, he can also be terrible and, and, uh, and cut off his employees or humiliate them. And at the same time, be subservient to their boss. So that is confusing. So it takes a little bit of uh, observation to see uh, what is what is happening. How can he be so hard on us, but yet so subservient to his boss? Mm-hmm. And I would say you have to check uh, if we go to the fight, flight and free. What does your boss or this person see as a predator? If they see their boss as a predator, then they'll sort of be subservient. If they see their boss as a prey, they will try to usurp their boss and go to the higher level. So these are the kind of behaviors that are confusing. And even to make it more confusing is that they can be charming with you at one point and then the next day be very curt and hurtful. Mm-hmm. But I, I also want the listeners to know that having worked with brilliant jerks, they are also suffering. And maybe it's good to clarify. I'll give you a story of a woman that was very abrasive. Mm-hmm. And um, she had an older brother that was the rising star of his parents. Okay. Uh, everything was on the shoulder of this son to succeed. And at one point, the son couldn't take it at all. His younger sister, who was average at school and was sort of in the shadow of her older brother. But when the brother just left and abandoned the family and said he went out to a farm to raise animals and didn't go to this, uh, didn't take in the parents' desire for him to succeed, guess what happened to the, the daughter? What? What happened to the daughter when the son was no longer the rising star uh, of his parents because he couldn't take the pressure? What happened to the sister? What, what's your best? The pressure went to her. Yes. Yeah. And sh- she became very good student, mm-hmm. performed. All of a sudden, she had right to the son, uh, the sunshine of, and the admiration of her parents. And, and she didn't want to lose it. Mm-hmm. So she was very tough on herself. So it was like she only was as good as the last thing she did. Mm -hmm. And so she was constantly under pressure to perform. Uh, She was constantly aware of the status of things. And if she didn't feel that she got the right status or the right office or the right hotel, uh, she would get very, very upset because, again, that was... She was the little girl that wasn't getting the son, that wasn't getting the attention from her parents. Right. Uh, she was feeling loved by her parents when she outperformed. So I just want to uh, give you an insight that in some ways, these people are extremely insecure. And if they feel that you're really good at what you do, they will try to make sure you 
don't get the sunshine. I just got a story this morning where the woman who was a hardworking person, her boss told everyone that she was underperforming and she found out on a PowerPoint that was given to everybody. Now, so uh, extremely upset. But in fact, then he came back to her on a one-to-one and apologized. It's like, oh, this brilliant jerk was threatened by her Mm -hmm. and her competence and just tried to taint the, the perception of the crowd around him that she wasn't as good as he was, Mm -hmm. but he felt bad about it and apologized. Uh, You see, it's, it's, um, of course, she told him when she had the courage to do so that, hey, uh, you you criticize me one to one. And if you want to praise me, you do it in public. You know, that's the 101 in leadership. Absolutely. Good for her. I'm like, I'm doing a clap for her right now. You go, girl. (laughs) I mean, because not a lot of us are empowered to do that. And that's why I feel so passionate about having women on like yourself, Katrina, right? So that we can build women up so that we do feel empowered to do that because, you know, walking right out of college or high school or whenever you're starting your career, we don't always feel empowered to have those kinds of conversations because that can be, I mean, shocking to go through something like that. And it, it is a power play and it is a brilliant jerk that does something like that to you. That's shocking. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, uh, it takes a lot of work to make them self-aware. For example, I'll give another example of Maria. She, she was a quite tough lady, very bright, very, very, very bright. Uh, she would give a project to somebody and say, look, I want this done in a, in a week. Okay. Well, she was so insecure that it wasn't going to be done that she went back that afternoon and said, so what have you done? Then she would come the next day. So w- what's being done? How far have you gone? And then next the day, micromanaging, micromanaging, mm-hmm. they insecure that it wouldn't be done. So finally, the employee said, I can't stand this, whipped something together that wasn't that good and just to send it to her, you see. Mm-hmm. So yes. And when she was made aware of that, of course, she was shocked. But uh, and she was made aware that she was walking two or three steps uh, forward when she was talking to somebody and sighing and, you know, looking at the sky when and rolled her eyes when someone asked a question. She was brilliant. Mm-hmm. She, her mind went so fast that these sort of innocent questions to her were, oh my God, we're going back to grade school. And, but unfortunately she made the other person feel it non-verbally sure so so she she had to be made aware of it so that she can do something about it Mm -hmm. yeah in this case her intention wasn't to hurt it was more to survive and to do a good job and and uh you know uh outperform everybody yeah yeah i mean those are great examples and i think everyone listening is like, oh yeah, I've had a Maria or I've had a (laughs) a Paul or you know what I mean? They're probably relating to one of these or all of them (laughs) because, you know, we have, and you know, I, I really loved what you said about the sunshine and being able to 
have the sunshine be on you and be in that moment. But I think it's really interesting too, with that example that you gave that when we do have that sunshine on us, what are we willing to do to stay in that sunshine, right? And that can be kind of destructive for us. And so that was really interesting in that story, Katrina. I really loved that because, you know, we, that, that was, that was interesting because she was this, you know, young lady was really striving. She just wanted to, you know, be perfect and, you know, be in that sunshine and the spotlight. And, you know, that's really just striving for acceptance. And I think it's interesting how you're defining brilliant jerks. And it's something I had to learn a hard, hard lesson about. I've worked for not one, unfortunately, a few, but there are some, some stellar (laughs) brilliant jerks that stand out my past. And I realized now I'm 34 now, but in my twenties, I didn't know this. I did not have this insight. Right. And so I would look at myself and be like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? You know, but now I have the insight to look back and go, oh, they were threatened by a 20 something that, you know, knew what she was doing just a little bit, you know? So it's interesting to go back and reflect. And, you know, I, I think this is, such an interesting concept. And do you actually, I want to understand this too. Do you work with people? Cause you're, you're sharing a story about a gentleman that has come to you and, you know, was really struggling with a brilliant jerk, but then you're sharing stories about brilliant jerks. So do you work with people on both sides, struggling with both issues, like working with a yes. brilliant jerk? Okay. That's so cool. Tell me a little bit more about that then. So uh, yes, cause these are the more difficult cases and mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the coaching, you know, it's uh, I've been in the coaching. I've been coaching for I was a MCC, a master certified coach by the International Coach Federation in 2002. So that doesn't make me that young, does it? <laughs> but uh, you were just uh, a baby. Oh, my God. At 15 right. years you, old, sweetheart. you got your coaching. 15 yeah. <laughs> you were coaching? Oh, my gosh. You're so young. Yeah. How did you yeah. do that? You were a stellar student. <laughs> I love, uh, love you. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, so I thought I saw all these new coaches coming in with cutting their prices, of course, because they were new on the market. So I thought, okay, I'll go on the more difficult cases. It was a strategy. I don't know if you uh, read the book True North, but they say there's the Red Sea and the Blue Sea, the Blue Ocean. Mm-hmm. The Blue Ocean is where there's less competition. So I said, okay, I, I will help these uh, individuals as much as I can. I just do want to say one thing, though. There are... Um, and this used this term has been used and abused is uh, psychopath, uh, but it is a, a sickness. There is a sickness called psychopath, uh, and you can even if you take a scan of their their brain, you can see it, uh, where there's a part of their brain that's very dark instead of uh, warm. I mean, I'm generalizing here too. So if it's a psychopath, that's a that's really um, a sickness. Huh? And so I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about people that have grown up maybe with parents, and I'll say this to the ladies and the, the fathers, is that if you love your kid only for what they do mm-hmm. and only show them affection for what they do, can you imagine what pressure that person, that child has to perform Uh, And maybe they lack 
confidence that they can be loved for who they are. There's a balance uh, in parenting mm-hmm. between loving your child for who they are and loving their child for what they do. So when that's completely skewed, uh, you can have the consequence of a, some of these brilliant jerks because they feel constantly only cared for if, if they perform, see? Yes, I, I actually, I, I personally understand this um, because I had such a, a, like a strong, like, like a different dynamic from like my mother and my father were totally different. And my, that's how my father operated. It was, what, what did you do versus, you know, I just love you. So, you know, it's, I was lucky enough though, Katrina, that later in my twenties, we were able to come back, resolve, and there was um, a healing that went on. So I, there is a, a true empathy that I have for what you're talking about, because I went through that for 20 something years of my life. So I, I do have an understanding of this, what, what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. And at least you had a mother, if I understood correctly, that was loving you for who you are. Yeah. She, she always accepted us for, for who we were. So there is, you know, I think I'm very grateful for that. Right. Because at least you have that side. I think when you have, you know, parents that just it's performance-based, you know, I have a lot of friends where, you know, that was it, right. It's like A's only, only come home with those A's, right. (laughs) Or make sure you made, you know, varsity soccer or whatever it was, you know, that was important to the family. So I, I am following you. I understand what this, this feels like. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So once with that understanding, there's more, there's more empathy for these uh, people, at Mm -hmm. least. And that's why I wanted to work with them to bring their emotional intelligence because they see 2020 and what they want, which is results, but where their blind spot is, is the interpersonal. Sure. It's like driving a car. You have a blind spot. That's usually where that it is, unless they've had, you know, done quite a bit of work on themselves. So that's uh, what I try to develop with my process is to really Uh, develop their self-awareness, then their boss awareness, so that they can understand already somebody that's important to them, uh, how they think, how they feel, what are the their boss's uh, ambition, uh, what does the boss uh, feelings are so that they uh, start with themselves. And then they have one person that they're motivated to know more about. And then uh, I have, I do research work in a company to see how they're perceived both in, uh, in their excellence and their brilliance. It's also very important, their brilliance. And where are their blind spots? And in some ways there are, they are performance oriented. So if they see that they are uh, lacking skills in a certain area that usually gets their attention at least, mm-hmm. but the, that doesn't mean they know how to change because I've seen 360 degree feedback of people that have had the same feedback that they are abrasive with their direct reports or their employees uh, year after year, but they still don't know how to address it. So sure. that's, it's, uh, that takes work of how those behaviors need to change 
to be more conducive to a relationship because uh, till, till that point, that person was succeeding uh, the way they did, probably more so. But then there's a glass ceiling that happens that, you know, they might be high performers, but if they can't work with teams, they can't get up the corporate ladder to a certain degree. I mean, of course. How are you going to continue to grow if, I mean, because your team's not going to respond to that, right? I mean, Yes, but you know, sometimes they get away with murder for a long time because uh, they can they're they can be charming to their boss, but not to their employees. So this is true. We've all seen this, ladies. Yes, I know yes. we've all seen and gentlemen that listen to. Yes, we've all seen that. I know that was an archetype that you explained as well. We've all seen that too, where to the um, you know, to their boss, they're just like, you know, and their supervisors like, they're wonderful. What are you talking about? And the, you know, here's the team of 10, 20, or a hundred that's like, what are you talking about? They are just like not there for me, or they're abrasive or harsh or, you know, lack empathy. You know, the list goes on. Katrina, I did a series on empathy because I have just I have this affinity for empathy in leadership. I think it's so important, especially with you know the ecosystem we have going on now more than ever. So, you know, I it, from what you're saying, it sounds like these brilliant jerks really lack empathy most of the time. I know it's probably a case-to-case situation. So, how do you inspire or instill empathy in these individuals when you're working with them. I'm sure it's, you know, very um, personal for each individual, but, you know, how does that work? Like, how does that happen? Well, empathy is feeling what the other person feels, thinks, wants, okay? Mm -hmm. And then emotional intelligence is managing their their own feelings and how to best communicate it with somebody else. So it's, it starts with empathy, but it doesn't stay there because emotional intelligence is really behaviorally also uh, deciding what outcome they want with the other person, how to be honest, but without being hurtful. Uh, So yes. So I have an exercise on my website that's, on excellentexecutivecoaching.com. And then that exercise is how to add EQ to your IQ. And it's one simple exercise, but I'll ask them, okay, what does your boss think? Where's your boss going? Uh, What is he doing? Uh, What is he fearing? Uh, What is he passionate about? And of course, doing it slowly and letting them think Uh, really more deeply, they start to develop that empathy, at least get better understanding. They have to be motivated to do so. Mm -hmm. So you have to find someone they admire, or they want to impress. And then they'll put their mind to it. But that's already, you're not going to change them right away. So it's already a process of putting themselves in the shoes of somebody else that they admire. And then they can do it little by little. You expand the people that they, they make effort to understand. I am so obsessed 
with this exercise. What an incredible exercise, what an incredible way of looking at this, because, you know, again, I'm obsessed with empathy, but emotional intelligence, I love to, I have an episode coming out on my solo cast about this too, because it's very important. I think you explained it beautifully. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, if you're lacking empathy as an individual, it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, I think people aren't self-aware if they're lacking empathy. So, you know, your exercise of, you know, inspiring them or, or helping them to be pushed into, you know, what, what is someone that they really care about? <laughs> you know, what are they doing? What's important to them? That is incredible. I mean, did you like, did you write that? Did you come up with that? Katrina, that's amazing. Well, you know, it's uh, working with uh, them. It's, you know, little by little, you develop your process. So what works? Mm -hmm. But I would say, let's take the opposite. That's someone that is extremely empathetic. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and someone's drowning in the pool and they're so empathetic, they panic and they don't know what to do. So that's why I, I think it's important to add emotional intelligence because it's really uh, understanding, feeling what the other one, but not being paralyzed by it and, and being able to have the emotional intelligence uh, and the goops, I don't know what that expression is, uh, to, to do something constructive with it. Like, yeah. okay, I feel their pain, but what am I going to do to help this person? Uh, what's the next best step? So standing back and seeing the global picture, the bigger picture. So that's why I say empathy is super important. And, uh, but it's, it, it, you can't just stay there. It's a step in the process, put it that way. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. I almost feel like people who are exceptionally empathetic to your point can get an emotional paralysis. That's it. That's in a it. sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Absolutely. We're speaking each other's on. language, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love this. So if people want to work with you, um, Katrina, where, so tell us like the, the profile of the person that you work with. Tell us that first and then we'll Usually, tell them where to find you. Yeah. It's uh, somebody that has their own company. I'm a corporate coach. Mm -hmm. So, or they have their own or their own um, company, or they work in a, a corporation, and they ask the corporation to have a coach. So those are usually the two profiles, because I do this in a business context, right? It could be applicable to a personal context. Absolutely. But I'm a corporate coach. So uh, let's say if your husband <laughs> is brilliant, but is also <laughs> behaves like a jerk, mm -hmm. uh, that's all these principles can apply. Uh, but um, that's probably not most of my clients are all corporations. Right. So you specialize in corporate, but I'm so ladies, if you're listening Business. to that, I'm sure Katrina could uh, refer you to someone to help you with your husband though. Just hint, hint. Anyway. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And you know, you're such a sweetheart, Maya. If, if uh, any of your listeners want 15 minutes to know what their next best step is, they can go to my website, Excellent Executive Coaching, and ask for a discovery call. 
But I, I only do that for your listeners. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. You're so amazing. So I'll put your website into the show notes. I'll also include, you have an incredible following on Facebook as well. So I'll put your Facebook um, page in there as well. Um, and a 15 minute discovery call. That's incredible. Um, and yeah, I mean, Katrina, this has been wonderful. And tell us about your book too which I'm obsessed with. I've talked about it the entire time, Managing Brilliant <laughs> Jerks. Where can people buy your book? They can buy it on Amazon. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's really, it's a novel. It's a conglomerate of different cases I've had. And uh, it's, it, it's good for managers and for coaches, but it's read, it's uh, done in a way that it's easy reading. Because I did academic articles and, I'm a PhD, so I have done academic articles, mm -hmm. but I wanted to write something that was pleasurable to read, sure. entertaining, that you can take on a plane and read and yet learn something. Yeah. So that's managing brilliant jerks, how organizations and coaches can transform a difficult leader into a powerful visionary. I love it. Okay, so I'll include that Amazon link too. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Katrina. This has been a pleasure having you on My Opinion. Well, it's wonderful to be on your podcast, Maya. And I can't wait to have you on mine, okay? I can't wait too. I can't wait too. And thank you guys so much for listening to Women for Women Wednesday on My Opinion. We'll see you back here next week.